This is How We See It, a look at issues that impact our faith and community. For the next few minutes, we'll explore topics with people who are making a difference in our world. January is National Eye Care Month and Glaucoma Awareness Month. And today on How We See It, I've invited the owner of St. Lucie Vision Center, Dr. William H. Steffen, a doctor of optometry and International Academy of Orthokeratology fellow to join us today. Dr. Steffen, good to see you. Good morning, John. As a matter of full disclosure, St. Lucie Vision Center is an underwriter, but has not donated for purposes of this interview. So, Dr. Steffen, I've got to ask you right out of the gate, what is orthokeratology? Orthokeratology. So that's the 21st century way to correct your eyes. If you wear glasses or contacts these days, you know you have to put that medical prosthetic on the entire day. If you're awake, you got to put on your glasses or contacts to see. Orthokeratology is a special contact lens that we fit on the eye at night, and you sleep in it. And when you take it off in the morning, you see without that contact on. So it's kind of a mold for the eye, molds your eye into clear vision. If you think of maybe Invisalign braces, right? You wear those at night while you sleep, you take them off in the morning and your teeth look awesome. We can do the same with your eyes and keep you seeing nice and clearly. So you've been practicing and in the eye care business for 30 plus years? Yes. Before we end the show, I'm going to ask you the question now. You can sort of think of it as we go. What's been the biggest technological advances that we've seen in eye care. We'll stay tuned. We'll get to that that answer at the end of our segment here. We said glaucoma awareness month. What is glaucoma? Glaucoma is an eye disease that your optic nerve, which is the nerve that you see the world with, slowly dies off over time. It atrophies over a period of decades typically. So that's an aging process thing? It is much like hypertension. So it's not necessarily an aging process because you can be old and not have it. So it's not gray hair and wrinkles. You're not guaranteed to get that. It tends to be genetic. It tends to run along racial lines. The biggest issue with glaucoma, it's a symptomless eye disease. And so you don't realize that you have the vision loss until you've lost a significant amount of vision. And then as eye doctors, we're trying to preserve what you have left. We can't get back what you've lost. Unlike some body care things where you can take a pill like you mentioned hypertension or you know maybe um you know high cholesterol are medicines out there that can correct eye issues surrounding glaucoma absolutely actually that's typically the first therapy that we're going to give you is an eye drop at night right so you don't like hypertension you don't feel it the first symptom of hypertension is the heart attack or stroke but you want to make sure you've seen your doctor you've been diagnosed and you follow those treatment regimens have the same with glaucoma. We should see your eye doctor regularly, even if you see well. I'm sure this is a question you're going to ask me later, right? You have perfect vision. You should still see an eye doctor every two to three years if you're young and healthy. Yeah, see, I I was telling you before our interview, it's been 20 years since I've been to the eye doctor. Well, that's typical, right? So people feel like um, vision is very important to them. And yet, if they're seeing, they don't bother to see the doctor have a well vision check, we call it. Some people might say, well... And this is the skeptic, especially these days. Everything's working fine. I don't need to see the doctor. I don't like going to the doctor. They just want my money. Correct. Well, that is the skeptical view, right? But you're going to find that same thing, again, with these symptomless conditions like hypertension, high cholesterol. The symptoms don't really show up. There are none until they're significant and serious, much like glaucoma. There's no symptom. You don't have eye pain, eye pressure, redness, irritation, 
the vision loss just slowly dies. And if you don't know that, then you can't take an eye drop at night. A simple treatment, put a drop in. I don't know of any doctors, uh, this is the anti-cynical response, who became doctors to make money off of you when you come in. They're, they're out marketing like um, a business to get your money. Most doctors, I would say, are there because they care, they want to help, they want to do what's best and right for their patients. About 25 years ago, we started hearing about LASIK surgery, and maybe that's one of those advances that I talked about. I was a product of LASIK surgery, and it, man, it just changed things. What is that? I mean, because I still hear commercials for it. LASIK is right. It's been around about 25, 30 years now, and it's a way to correct your, your blurriness. So if you don't see the world clearly, you need glasses or contacts, typically nearsighted. You can see up close, but you can't see far away without your eyewear. LASIK can reshape your eye. And you're absolutely right. It was a significant advancement 30 years ago. There's a new technique that's replacing that. Obviously, it's 21st century. Technology keeps rolling along. And I love this one because it's called SMILE, S-M-I-L-E. And that's the acronym, which just makes me smile. Is it just not quite as invasive or is it just better? Correct. It's less invasive. So there's fewer side effects. Well, one of the surprise things we came out of LASIK that nobody expected was about one out of five patients end up with chronic dry eye syndrome. So they always feel their eyes are dry and irritated and uncomfortable. They see great, but their eyes don't feel well. And the smile is an advancement on that uh, technique with lasers still to uh, reduce that incidence of complication. Kind of going back to glaucoma, does cataract fall into the glaucoma arena or is that a separate? Two separate things. Okay. Now, cataract is one of those gray hair and wrinkle things. If you live long enough, you're going to get some cataracts. Starting at what age, 45 plus? Well, cataracts start to form the day you're born. They form in a lens that's formed in the eyeball and while you're in the womb. A lot of the eyeball parts are formed in the womb and that's it. There's no cell regeneration. There's no replacement and they just age with time. So we're outliving our body parts. So the best thing to do to prevent cataract formation or to slow that down, sunglasses, want to protect your eyes from the ultraviolet rays of the sun, and you want to avoid smoking, absolutely. That's bad for your eyeballs, just like the rest of your body. I didn't know that. When a child is born, and and let me say this, you also do a, a lot of pediatric eye care. A lot of pediatrics. Yeah. So a child is born, they're born with blue eyes. And then at some point... They may change to a different color. Most actually do, uh, at least what I've been told. Why the change and how much can an infant see? Okay, so a couple of questions. We'll unpack those iris color, blue eyes. Yes, most babies start off with light eyes, blue eyes, gray eyes. Whether you have light blue eyes, green eyes, hazel eyes, or very dark brown eyes, it's all the same pigment in your iris, the colored part of your eye. The difference between those colors is the density of that pigment. So when babies are born, they just have a light amount of pigment, and then genetic predisposition is going to either have some hypertrophy of that pigment, there'll be more pigment that's collected, and that's what darkens the eyes up. Usually takes, yeah, about a year or two. Right. And then the follow-up was, I don't know how we can measure it, but how much can an infant see? And when do, when do things start coming into clarity? We do. We can measure that. There are ways. Uh, I see babies all the time, and that's a very common question parents ask me because they we like to see babies at one, three, and five for their well vision checks. So parents bring in their one-year-olds, 
And they are wondering, well, how are you going to do that? He can't say which is better, one right. or two. He's not reading the chart, right? Uh, so really there, are, <laughs> there are right, there are objective ways, things that we look at. And in the end, it looks like we're just playing with babies. And I love babies, right? So I, I always enjoy them coming in. It's the, sure. one of my favorite uh, exams during the daytime. And yeah, we play with them. There are a certain set of reflexes and responses that we can elicit with light and movement in the baby's eyes to see are they responding well. Mostly with the one-year-olds, it's more about is the brain wired up, right? Are the eyes connected to the brain? Is everything processing, going through those developmental norms that, that children have? And those infant reflexes tend to replace themselves around eight months or so and become more adult reflexes. So that's why we like to see them at one to make sure they're developing normally. And then there's reasons for the three and five year old well vision exams as well to make sure they're hitting their developmental norms so they can function and see well. Is there ways to correct them? I mean, I've seen children as young as two, hardly speaking language, but they're wearing a little set of eyeglasses. Correct. Yes, there's there's ways to intervene, right? That's why we want to bring them in. About one out of 20 children, 5% have a vision issue. The issue is for us, we have to see all 20 of them to find the one. And like you were speaking about earlier, you hadn't seen the eye doctor for years because you see fine. And a kid's not going to tell you, a little three-year-old, right? They're just learning to speak. They're not going to tell you, oh, I have vision problems, mom, because they think the rest of the world sees just like they do, right? They, have, they don't have that frame of reference. So typically the little ones don't complain. We have to, we have to seek them out and find them and, and protect them. We're talking with Dr. William Steffen, who is the owner of St. Lucie Vision Center. And uh, doctor, we mentioned off air, there's a website for parents uh, who have children that uh, maybe need a little bit of help with insurance or just want to find out more about uh, infant eye care. It's called infantc.org. That's infant and then S-E-E.org. It's a nonprofit organization that uh, parents can find out more about uh, eye care for their kids, as well as, of course, going to visit you. When you and I were growing up, and even probably with our parents, parents used to say, you're sitting too close to the TV, <laughs> you're going to blind yourself. Right. And then now today we have these little things in our pockets uh, called smartphones, and we look at them all the time. And then when you look away, uh, everything's a little blurry for a moment. It is with me. I don't know about everybody else. But. <laughs> yeah, happy birthday to you. <laughs> right. that's, a, that's a little bit of an aging thing. The cell phones, the smart tablets, those are definitely a part of life, right? And they become more and more ubiquitous with everyone. You see two and three-year-olds, right, being entertained at the at the restaurant table and at home. And, sure. it's a, and they're fascinated. They love it. They're always going to scoot close, right? They just want to get right in there, even if they see well. So that's not a very good indicator my child's having a problem because my five-year-old keeps scooting, you know, two, three feet from the television. They just want to be right in there and see right. it. So that doesn't really factor in. For you to see that screen up close, right, to check your emails or do the things you're doing, it's going to take seven muscles in each eyeball. You're flexing 14 muscles, and as you flex those muscles for a while, you get a little muscle spasms. That's why when you look up, it's a little blurry for a second, then it needs to clear up. Yeah. Uh, kids don't have that issue. Their focusing lens flexes back and forth near and far. They've tried to throw the, the smart tablets and screens under the bus for causing more eye problems for children. And most of the studies and and science doesn't say that's the issue. The bigger issue is our kids are not getting enough outdoor time. Well, yeah, yeah, that's a whole nother program. Right, yeah. yeah. 
what can we do to prevent? You mentioned smoking a moment ago. Mm-hmm. What can we do to do a better job of eye care in general? So just as general eye care, you want to, again, uh, those two things, no smoking, that's horrible for your eyes, just like the rest of you. Why? Um, is it an oxygen thing? Or yeah, something? it's a vascular thing, right? Your, your eyeball uses uh, probably more oxygen per little cubic millimeter to see than any other part of your body. So it's constant metabolism and the smoke just slows that down and, and affects the vasculature. And that leads to problems long term. A good diet. That's a big one. People worry about macular degeneration, a disease of age, uh, leafy green vegetables. Got to eat your spinach and broccoli, kale. Really just a good diet. Like any doctor's ever told you, eat the rainbow. That's the best way to get those health things. And then a big one, especially here in Florida, is protecting your eyes from the ultraviolet rays of the sun. We're all familiar with sunscreen and skin cancer. It's those same ultraviolet rays, chronic exposure over a lifetime that cause macular degeneration and, and cataracts to form. I've heard this. Let's say uh, uh, we're here on Dale Mabry. Across the road, somebody is welding something. And the word is, don't stare at that light on the welder. You'll put a hole in your eye. Right. Is that true? Yes. Yeah, intense light. Don't look at the sun, right? So that intense bright light, your retina perceives light. And if you hit it with a really intense bright light and you're focused right on it, it can heat up and burn that retina. Wow. Like 30 seconds? Like, don't do it. Don't do it. What about one of those? You've seen those laser pins. I saw it on the news last night. Somebody was shining a helicopter. Right. Is that the same kind of light? The laser pins you're going to pick up at the grocery store, you know, the kids uh-huh. are going to play with laser pointers in the classroom. Those aren't strong enough. Okay. I mean, if you stare at it long enough, yes, you could burn your retina as well. But somebody flashing in your eyes is more annoying than dangerous. Right. But there are high-powered laser pins and lights that would be more problematic. Speaking of looking in my eye, when I go to the doctor, y'all have those fancy little uh, things with a point on the end. You just say, all right, look up, look down, and you're looking... What are you looking at and what are you looking for? (laughs) The inside of your eye is amazing. So the front of your eye, right, it's crystal clear. You can see through your cornea. It has to be. You have to see out of it. I I can't see anything of what you're looking for when I'm standing (laughs) in the mirror and I get up close. I don't know what you're looking at. Yeah, so it's amazing that you have a transparent body part. Well, the inside of your eyeball also has transparent tissue. So when we look in your eye, we can see muscles. We can see blood vessels. We can see nerves. So it's really a nice... With that thing you got in your hand. Correct. So it's a nice (laughs) physical, right? So if you have all sorts of things, I I spend my day sending people out to their primary care doctors, uh, begin just like you probably didn't go for an eye doctor for 26 years. A lot of 40 some odd folks are very healthy, they think, right? And so they don't go to the doctor regularly because they're cynical and the doctor's just going to find something wrong and it's going to cost me money and I feel fine. I don't need to go. So we send people out all day for hypertension, high cholesterol, different inflammatory issues. We can see lots of stuff in the eye. So let me go back to that question I asked you at the start. What's been the biggest technological breakthrough in the last 25, 30 years for eye care? Oh, that's a good one. There's, there's so much, right? It's the 21st century and amazing things are happening. So there are amazing treatment modalities for things today that in the past we wouldn't thought we could treat things like glaucoma and retinal issues. I think that for me, the biggest thing is, is the orthokeratology that we spoke about earlier. Because not only does it take that medical prosthetic off a patient throughout their day and just puts it into their, their sleeping hours, it stops kids' eyes from getting worse. So there's a condition called juvenile progressive myopia. So your second grader, first grader gets his first pair of glasses. 
because uh, he can't see the board, right? He can read, but he can't see the board. Uh, next year, you bring in, oh, his glasses are stronger because that eye is growing at an irregular rate. It's growing too fast. It's growing too large, and he's losing that clarity of vision. And every year, and this is has been going on for as long as humanity has been getting nearsighted, every year, here's your stronger glasses. You come back next year, oh, I can't see far. Here's your stronger glasses. So this progressive myopia leads to eye disease later in life. The larger that eye grows into the irregular shape, the greater risk you have for glaucoma, retinal detachment, macular degeneration, cataracts, all these things that blind you when you're 60 and 70. Now with orthokeratology, we can actually intervene. Not only does it clear the patient's vision during the daytime, but it stops that irregular growth. So again, my favorite analogy is like sunscreen and skin cancer, right? We don't put sunscreen on today to stop skin cancer next week. We do it so we don't get skin cancer 30, 40 years from now. Same with these kids. There's, in my mind, there's no reason why a young child who's nearsighted should ever get their second stronger pair of glasses. They need what we call myopia management. They, we need to intervene and eye doctors can stop that growth not only to clear their vision now, stop that irregularity from getting worse, but to protect their eyes later in life. So for me, that's the biggest advantage. We, we actually have a way now to treat the most common eye condition there is, nearsightedness. What about the child who you notice early on one eye is sort of drifting or looking, you know, not quite straight ahead? Is there a way to fix that non-surgically? Absolutely. The earlier we get involved, the better. So that's why we like to do the one, three, and five-year-old well vision exams, because when we can see that there, again, there's a refractive error. Those eyes, those seven muscles in each eye, those 14 muscles aren't coordinating properly, so the eyes aren't working as a team. So we have to help those eyes learn to work as a team. So with with eye care, it's not just clarity, right? That's, that, that's like 10% of the eye exam. Doc, I can't see. The other 90% is, are my eyes working well together? Is it functioning in my brain properly? Do I have any health conditions or diseases that I need to worry about? Sometimes when I close my eyes after looking at something, I'll see floaters. Mm -hmm. I'll see things kind of drifting around in there. Or it might even be if I've looked at the TV for a while, I turn off, close my eyes, and I see just an outline of the TV screen. Right. What is that? So that's an after image, the last thing you talk about, right? If you stare at something for a while, your retina's looking at that image. And when you close your eyes, your retina's still functioning. It takes a little while for those nerves to stop firing. Uh, and those nerves are sending that signal to your brain. And even the screen will tilt mm -hmm. and float yeah. around. That's well, because your eyes kind of moving. go drift out and up when you close your eyes. You don't have anything to focus on. So that image will drift around. Closing your eyes and seeing stuff is nothing but a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> There's colors now, now and what shapes. About like and, the, if I'm starting to see floaters mm -hmm. with eyes closed, is that normal? Yes. But if, they're, if I'm open and I'm seeing stuff, that's different. Uh, that is different. Uh, also typically normal, like gray hair and wrinkles. Everybody's going to get some floaters as we get older. The big issue is you don't, if you get a bunch of them in one eye all of a sudden and the other eye is clear without floaters, flashes of light that associate with that, uh, that goes back to that retinal detachment uh, concern that we had talked about before we went yeah, on. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you. I've known a couple of people, they weren't, you know, I used to hear about that like in boxing mm -hmm. or, you know, some sort of blunt trauma. These people didn't do any of that. It just all of a sudden they started seeing something and they were diagnosed with uh, a retinal detachment and had to go into, I would call extreme measures of laying flat and having some kind of surgery and what else. Correct. I mean, what's the deal with that? So 
blunt trauma, right, uh, is definitely a motor vehicle accident, boxing. After every boxing match, every boxer has to go get a, an eye exam to look at the retinas. You just don't want to bash your head around, right? Concussion's not a good thing, right? It's not a good thing for your eyes. But one in 90,000 people can get a retinal detachment. I think that's the current statistic uh, when we look at the studies. It is something that the sooner you discover it, the less invasive that treatment is. Sometimes you just have to sit in front of a microscope, a laser light can take care of it. Sometimes you have an eye surgery laying down on your face for 20 hours a day for the next week. It depends on how quickly we can discover that and how quickly we can treat that. And so again, those symptoms of flashes of light or a bunch of new floaters in one eye or missing areas in your peripheral vision all of a sudden are a reason to go see an eye doctor right away. Macular degeneration, is that an all-encompassing thing or is that? Macular degeneration is really a disease of age. Those retinal cells that we're talking about have been there for 70 years, chronic exposure to UV light, smoking vascular diseases, hypertension, diabetes, especially high cholesterol can tend to uh, contribute to that. Again, healthy diet, leafy green vegetables, wear your sunglasses. I've got a friend who's got uh, multiple sclerosis and is losing his vision. Mm-hmm. Would that be tied into that? Yeah. So very many systemic conditions, right? Things that affect your entire body also affect your eyes. So we work in in concert with primary care physicians and specialists all the time to help preserve vision in many different uh, disease conditions, uh, multiple sclerosis being one of them. Uh, common everyday things. I'm working in the yard, piece of debris hits my eye. Mm-hmm. Mistake number one, wasn't wearing glasses. Right. <laughs> I, I guess the wraparound glasses are the best. Yeah, some type of protective sunwear. If you're out weed whacking, right, things are going to fly. You should have your sunglasses on at least, if not a nice pair of safety glasses. Yeah. I can't seem to get it out. What do I do? Do I go to the walk-in clinic? Do I go to an emergency eye care place? So, you know, flushing, right, with some water is always good. Never rub. You get something in your eye. First thing everybody wants to do is reach in there, rub their eyeball, and oftentimes you just push whatever's in there deeper, and then it's a little harder uh, for us to get it out. My opinion is you want to take your eyeballs to an eye doctor. Uh, I've covered emergency rooms in the past, and... Most emergency rooms, acute care clinics are not really set up to deal with ocular urgencies. So if you have an eye urgency, you get something in your eye, you scratch your eyes, you're working in with some chemicals, something splashes in your eye, rinse it, rinse it, rinse it. Just try to rinse it out with some uh, nice uh, water. And then if it doesn't come out or feel better, uh, go see an eye doctor. And any eye doctor can do that. It doesn't have to be an urgent care doctor. Uh, I'm in private practice. We see that every day. People come in. If it's late and the only place open is the lens crafters and there's a doctor there, right? Uh, not to mention a particular brand, sure, sorry. Right. But, you know, a, a big box doc, they have the same training. They'd be happy to take a look at you and help you out. Right. Good advice. Traditionally, I would buy a $20 pair of cheap sunglasses to get me by because I always, often lose them. They, I scratch them, I'm, you know, whatever. I've always tried to avoid the $300 plus pair of sunglasses because I figured I'd mess those up too. Uh, what's the big difference between a cheap pair of sunglasses and a more expensive pair? This is one of my favorite questions. My son in sixth grade had a science project. He decided to prove that 
His hypothesis was if you bought cheap sunglasses, they were just going to open your pupils up larger because in the dimmer light, your pupils get bigger, and that would let more uh, ultraviolet light in and actually damage and harm your eyes. So you needed to buy expensive sunglasses because they would block more ultraviolet rays and protect your eyes better. That hypothesis didn't work out. He went to everywhere he could find the cheapest sunglasses, the flea market, the dollar store, the gas station, 50 cents a dollar for sunglasses. As long as they were marked 100% UV protection, they blocked the UV. And that's what you're looking for in a pair of sunglasses. You want to block that ultraviolet light. So the difference between a $20 pair of glasses and a $200 pair of glasses is not typically that protection. It's the clarity of the lens. So sometimes if you buy a cheap pair of sunglasses, you put them on, especially after you've had LASIK, right? And you have awesome vision and you put the glasses on and it's actually not as clear because the clarity of that lens is not the best. But you go buy a nice name brand pair of sunglasses for, you know, a couple hundred dollars. They're going to be really sharp and crisp and clear as well. So it's more of the quality and of the of the lens, the clarity of the lens than the UV protection. And I'm going to go personal here. Once again, uh, I get migraine headaches, and one of the symptoms is eye pain. Ever since I was a kid, I would always get pain on or over my right eye. That really doesn't affect vision, does it? Yeah, with the migraines, very common. A classic migraine, you'll get some visual symptom first, either um, a little pain like you're talking about, or oftentimes people will see scintillating lights or you know little picket fences Hate, shining yeah, out in their peripheral bright, vision. Yeah. Bright light, I don't want to see. I want to see right. darkness. <laughs> you want to get into the dark. So no harm, no foul as far as your eye goes. Okay. Uh, right. So see your primary care doctor if it's persistent. Get some treatment for migraines. There, there are wonderful new treatments that are available now that weren't uh, when you and I were younger. Sure. Finally, uh, eye pressure. I know you guys measure it. What's that about? Why do we measure eye pressure? So every eye has pressure like tire pressure, right? So you don't want it too low. You don't want it too high. So we like it in a nice, you know, normal range. It is a an indicator, a risk factor for glaucoma. It's not a diagnostic indicator, but it's a risk factor if your eye pressure is too high. Uh, it can actually pinch off the blood flow to your eyeball and cause blindness, but it has to get pretty high for that. But if it's chronically high, it can slowly atrophy and, and, and destroy the nerves in your eye. So we want to make sure that that is something that we monitor. And again, that's something you don't feel. You can have high eye pressure and, and you won't even know it if you don't get it checked. What causes that? Uh, typically, that is a genetic predisposition. Being very farsighted, so somebody has great vision. I've never worn glasses my whole life. I, I, everybody wants me to see way down the street because I have great vision. Their eyes are typically a little smaller and that can induce uh, an increase in pressure. And so that's something that, again, well-vision checks are, are, are a great thing when it comes to eyes. Finally, when I fly on an airplane, on descent, about 20,000 feet and dropping, <laughs> all of a sudden I start having bad eye pain. Is that a symptom of sinus pressure or is that a symptom of something in my eye? Yeah, that typically is going to be your sinuses. So maybe if you're old enough and listening, you remember it used to be eye, ear, nose, and throat when you went to the doctor was E-E-N-T, and now it's just uh, ear, nose, and throat. They kicked us out because the eyeball became too complicated. <laughs> yeah. There's way too much going on there, but it's all still connected. Your eye, ear, nose, and throat are all still connected. There's there's canals and, and passageways in there. So if you're changing that cabin pressure and it's changing rapidly and you have some sinus issues, you're going to feel that. Dr. William H. Steffen, he runs the show over at uh, St. Lucie Vision Center in uh, the Citrus Park area Correct. of Tampa. 
can find out more going to slvc.com. We just use our initials now. Okay, slvc.com. Final question, St. Lucie, why the name? Well, St. Lucie is the patron saint of the blind and eye patients. And my wife, good Catholic girl from birth, had very horrible eyes. So by five years old, she's in very, very thick, you know, Coke bottle bottom glasses. And so as she grew up, she always prayed to have good vision one day. And and for her confirmation saint, she took St. Lucie for that reason. And, you know, sometimes prayers, technology catches up to your prayers, right? So she had LASIK in 1998 and was, was cured of that, uh, that vision loss. As, as you know, that's an amazing thing, right? Yeah. One day you can't see the world and the next day it's all there. Uh, so we uh, went with St. Lucy's vision to really kind of try to make sure we maintain our focus on patients. And that's why we're there every day. Again, thank you, Dr. William H. Steffen, for stopping by. Again, St. Lucy. Vision Center is a supporter of Spirit FM, but we did not receive any compensation for this interview. Dr. William Steffen of St. Lucie Vision Center has been our guest today, and that's how we see it. Thanks for listening to today's program. This presentation and others like it are made possible by supporters like you. If you'd like a copy of today's program, make comments or suggestions, and to help us keep this important programming on the air, visit myspiritfm.com slash how we see it.